0: How did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Good day and night must scramble for a living. Hello, Let's talk Torah. I'm Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to her, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at dot at gmail.com. And of course I will answer as many as I can. Or you can check out our webpage at Let's net. Let's Um, you can check out the archives, the news shows, you can search, you can look for stuff on you know, we've got hundreds and hundreds of shows ready. It is unbelievable. So we've talked about different Torah portions multiple times. I don't even remember what I talked about, you know, years ago. But you can check it out. It's all there. And, of course, the important um, comment, questions, comments. You have questions, comments. Just uh, leave the comments. We'll answer as many as we can, of course. And the all-important donate button just to make sure we can keep on rolling and keep it. Uh, just talking and enjoying uh, what the Torah has to share with us and let the show spread, and I need your help to do that. So, of course, if you could please hit that Donate button, any amount you leave is greatly, greatly appreciated. So, I was talking to a friend today, hadn't spoken to him in about a year, and, and we were talking about just a crazy world. He said, you know, I've been busy, haven't looked at the news today, anything new, and I said, not really. Like, unfortunately, um, the world is the same crazy place it was yesterday, the same crazy place it was two days ago and three days ago. But I told him, I said, but I talk to myself. That's a good thing. I talk to myself because it's so easy. I don't mean to talk to yourself. I mean, it's so easy to decide that what's happening in Israel and the terrorists and Hamas and... And the bombing and the killing, and it's so easy to say, yeah, I feel terrible for them, and um, now let's go get a slice of pizza. That's a bad example. I don't really eat pizza. But we're supposed to look at the world and say when God does something, it's a message for all of us. It's not just a message for some people in Israel. It's not because maybe people in Israel were doing what they should be doing, shouldn't be doing. And therefore, it has nothing to do with me. That is a terrible attitude. It just it totally misses the point of what God is trying to bring out. And I can't tell you what God's point is for individuals, but I should at least be thinking about it. Right? In other words, what's God's message for me? Pray more. Good. Think about the people, care about the people, do something to make yourself better. But the one thing you can't do is say, it's got nothing to do with me. Eh, they did that sin or they're that kind of people or they're other kind of people. I'm good, and uh, I'll just sit back and relax. That That misses the message. There's a message for each and every one of us, and I can't tell you what the message is. But what I can tell you is... I need to know there's a message here. And do something, something in your own life to make yourself a better person and something to care about others. And again, pray is always an important thing. Be kind, be nice, be friendly. Um, One of the things, unfortunately, in Israel, real political place.
1: There's a reason
0: every time they have a new election, that they have to put together a government because there's so many different factions. But and, it, and you just look at their history there in Israel; they haven't been around that long in that country, but without fail, they seem to be at each other's necks, fighting, doing things to each other. Just how they talk, how they act, how they how they react. Then there's a war, and then everyone's best friends. And then God says, great, I love best friends. Best friends will take care of the enemy. And then that lasts for a little while, and they go back to the way they were. Really got to start figuring out to stop going back to the way they were and just be friends. Just be nice. Just be accepting. I don't have to like everything you do. You don't have to like everything I do. It doesn't mean that you have to hate me for it. It doesn't mean you have to decide I'm trying to uh, on each side that I'm trying to brainwash and who knows what. I don't want to say let you know live and let live. I would like people to be religious. I would like people to recognize God. I would like people to keep the Torah and his commands. Of course, I would like all that. But I got to respect you as a person. You have to respect me as a person. We have to get along. You you do what I would like, you don't do what I would like. Okay? I'll tell you what I think you should be doing. You could tell me what you think I should be doing. And we could be civil. And we could live together. And we could be proud of who we are. Instead, too many times, the Jewish people has managed to get each other's throats. And it costs us each time. And that's something that hopefully um, we will learn our lesson. Again, as I say, hopefully. Now, so we were talking in the last show, about marriage. So I did, before I get into the next part of the Torah portion, it's an amazing Torah portion, because this Torah portion is the life cycle, but it's backwards. Most of us think of the life cycle is we're born, we grow older, we get married, we have children, we raise our children, we die. And then the next generation this week's Torah portion is really the opposite, if you think about it. We start out with the death of Sarah, and then we go to the marriage of Isaac. So we're going to talk about that order that the Torah has placed everything in. But since the last show, we talked a lot about marriage, and I did have a story that I wanted to share. So this is just a little bit of a addendum to the last show, just a very beautiful story. So rebetzin Kanievsky tells a story about her grandparents. They were famous for Barry Levine, and and he got married, I'm guessing, in the early 1900s, probably even earlier, probably late 1800s he got married in Israel, and he was very poor. The, The Jews in Israel in the 1800s, early 1900s, very, very poor. And he says... Uh, to his wife when they get married. So if you've ever been by a Jewish wedding, so there's what's called the chuppah, on the canopy, and the, and the, the chas and the groom gives the bride the kala a ring, and, and then they say some blessings, and they break the glass, and they dance back, and they go into a room by themselves. It's called a yichud room. It's a private room, and they're in that room privately for about 10 minutes. And they can have conversations and talk, it's okay, it's beautiful. and then they'll go out and take pictures and dance and eat and whatever. okay fine. Um, so this Ra Levine says to his wife. he says, "You know, it's customary for the hussan for the groom to give a present to his wife. Nowadays, they give usually a necklace or, or pearls, sometimes earrings. It's like some type of jewelry. anyways. Um, He says, I'm very poor. I I, I can't afford anything. There's nothing, there's no money that I have that I can give you any type of appropriate present. Instead, I guarantee you that I will always be, a word we've used a lot, I will always be a vata. I I will always give in to you. If there's something that you want, that you need, and you ask for it, I am going to say yes. She, in turn says back to him that I want a home that should be run in a way that you, this Riley living, will feel is the most beneficial to our spirituality, and that's the gift I'm giving back to you. And they kept those deals for their whole life. The children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren have all kinds of stories about the amazing marriage that this couple had, and that's where it started. So that's I just wanted to that's sort of like last show, nice story. But we we wanna get involved with the beginning of the Torah portion. So the Torah portion begins that Sarah lives for 127 years. It says that she's she dies. But instead of the Torah portion beginning that Sarah dies, it says these are the years of Sarah: a hundred years, and twenty years, and seven years. And the commentaries explain why it's broken up that way. And it says that um, different explanations that she, as it's, if you juxtapose it, the end of last week's Torah portion is the binding of Isaac. So you have the binding of Isaac. And Isaac is almost slaughtered, and now we go right into this Torah portion where Sarah dies. So the Medrash explains that that Sarah knew something was going on. She probably knew exactly what was going on, and she got up early and she prayed for their success. And she wants to leave, and she's praying. And then she goes to Haran, where the giants lived, to see, you know, what's going on. She asks the giants, what's going on? Can they see? And they say, oh, yeah, he's he's being bound. And Abraham's getting the knife. He's getting ready. And, oh, he's ready to slaughter him. He didn't slaughter him. Isaac is getting up. And she dies. So there's a lot of points we have to focus on, and what's going on right here. The simple explanation is that it looked like she was in shock; that her son was almost killed, and she dies. What would be the point? It's like the Satan is like a sore loser, right? He wanted to, he wanted Abraham to fail the test. Abraham passed the test, so this angel is upset that Abraham passed the test. So he kills his wife. That's ridiculous. That's not the job of, of the angel. And it's anyways debatable. If this is not the time for her to die, why is she dying? And right? She shouldn't be dying now. So some say that this was when she was supposed to die, but it looked like she was dying because of what Abraham did. And yes, the, the Satan was involved because... When a person does a great deed, it doesn't even have to be a great deed any good deed, so it's really not over. I have a friend who for years gave a lot of charity. his business um was actually um he 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 supplied baby um stuff to kmart, I guess like the clothes and the cribs and the mattresses, and maybe in the car seats, all kinds of the baby stuff. He supplied to Kmart. Kmart was his biggest um, business. He had some other small ones, but once Kmart basically fell apart, that was the end of his business. So his friends went to him and said, Steve, we told you you shouldn't be giving all that charity. Now, look, you don't have the money. Now. This Steve was a smart guy. He says, I don't feel bad about one penny. I am so happy for every penny of charity I gave and I'll just figure it out. That's a great way of thinking because the evil inclination, the satan would love for a person to say, I feel so bad I did that mitzvah. And that tarnishes the whole mitzvah. So the satan wanted the Akedah, the binding of Isaac to be tarnished. So if Abraham would come home and say, "Oh, I would have known that my wife um, was going to die because I brought Isaac up as a sacrifice, I never would have done it. And that would have tarnished the whole command. That's one avenue of looking at this story. But I saw a different one. It's really just the opposite, which is really... Fascinating. And it a couple questions. It says that "Va'yu Chaye This is the life of Sura. Why is it called the life of Sura if we're talking about her death? Because in death we get the true picture of Sarah's life. Sura's whole life was preparing for and taking care of Isaac, of Yitzchak. Yitzchak is born. The half-brother Yishmael is a bad influence. She makes Abraham send away Yishmael. Everything she's doing is to help Isaac become that great person that he became. So as I told you, what happens? She gets up that morning, and she knows Abraham's on his way out, and she understands what's going on, and she is praying that her husband and Isaac will be successful in being brought up as that perfect sacrifice. So she goes to the giants, okay, how's it going? And they say, "Okay, he's getting ready." And and her what she wanted in her life, that Isaac should be that perfect sacrifice to God, to be that perfect spiritual person. She was worried live die. That's God's problem. That's not her problem. She she didn't know. She couldn't understand why did Isaac get up? Why, why he was he slaughtered? Maybe he wasn't prepared enough spiritually, which means maybe she did a poor job of bringing up her son, and that's the shock that caused her to die. In other words, all she cared about, which is what we hope Jewish mothers do, all she cared about was to bring up her son to be the the great spiritual leader that he was going to become. And if he wasn't on the level that she was trying to prepare him for, she failed. But you you see, that's all she cared about. Um, I saw an interesting story. The Klisenberger Rav, during the Holocaust, lost his wife and 11 children. So people asked him after the war, years later, how was he able to rebuild? He built a family Rebuilt thousands and thousands of Hasidim. He said, how, how, how do you have the wherewithal? How are you able to to rebuild? He said, it was my mother's shema. Many of us grew up, hopefully, and we do it for our children. We say shema, right? Here, Israel, right? We say the shema with our children before they go to sleep. So, the this Rebbe's mother, when she would say Shema with him, she would cover his eyes. So he asked his mother, now we all do, we all close our eyes really, the reason is for concentration, it's better for concentration. He would ask his mother, why carry my eyes? Like, why, why can't I look around? So she said to him, we look around, and sometimes we see things that are not so good. We actually sometimes see bad things. And those things challenge our belief in God. We know that God is running the world. He's doing what's best for us. And when we can't understand it, right, it's timely. Right? We can't understand why God allows certain things to happen. So since we can't understand, we think we're supposed to be able to understand. And we have difficulty understanding. Of course, we have difficulty understanding. How right? are you supposed to understand the barbaric terrorists, right? You can't understand it how people could do that and kidnap and hold all these people for what, to torture, for who knows what, to murder. right? You can't understand it. So there are many people out there that if they can't understand God's plan, I got a problem with God. Now, really, if they just stop there, I'm okay with that. You can't understand what God wants. You have a problem with God, but that means you believe in God. The problem is for those who take the next step and say, I don't believe in God can't be a God because they have a problem and they think the answer to the problem is, there's no God. No, there is a God. You have a problem with what God did. Okay. So you don't understand. As the joke is told, there was a very old man. So people asked him like, how, how do you live so long? He says, look, a lot of my friends who are no longer alive. They had a lot of questions for God. A lot of questions. They walked around all day long with their questions. So God says, you yeah, have questions. Okay, I'll bring you up here to heaven, and I'll answer all your questions. But but if God's going to answer all your questions, the problem is you're not alive anymore. He says, I don't have questions. I trust God. I'm sure God has it all worked out, and he doesn't have to answer any questions for me. So God says, okay, so you have no questions. I might as well let you live. So the, the Kloesviger Rebbe's mother told him, She said, I cover your eyes so you should know that that don't look around and try to figure out what's going on in the world. Obviously, we're all doing that all day long. But at least for those few seconds that you're saying the Shema, cover your eyes, you don't see anything that's happening in the world. The first verse of Shema anyways is discussing a person's belief in God. So you want to show your belief in God? No questions. What's good, what's bad, I do understand. I don't understand. No questions. And he says that, Nicholas Rivera says, that gave me the ability to, to rebuild and uh, move on. And, oh, man, the music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, for, of course, for all wonderful listening. I can't do it without you. Thank you to all the production team. We have Alan in the back. I hope I left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.